This is Photo BizX episode number 488 and today we are talking elopement packages and Instagram reels to grow your photography business. Our special guest is the super talented Wendy Norman and what she shares in today's episode may change the way you approach wedding photography, particularly if you want your time and weekends back. I think you're going to love this one. And don't worry, if you're not a wedding photographer, I know you're going to love what Wendy shares about marketing her business, utilizing Instagram Reels and TikTok to get in front of her ideal clients. That interview is coming up in just a minute. Are you planning to have a successful wedding and portrait photography business? Join Andrew as he interviews successful photographers and business experts to fast track your success. Welcome to the Photo Biz Exposed podcast with your host, Andrew Helmich. Hey, it's Andrew Helmich here, interviewer, photographer, and host of the Photo Biz X podcast, where I interview photographers and business experts from around the world to help you grow a better photography business even faster than going it alone. I know you're going to love today's interview with Wendy Norman. Make sure you go and check out her website because it is absolutely gorgeous. Not only her photography, but the location, the people, the light. It's going to have you wanting to move where she lives. It is that nice. We're going to get into that in just a minute. If you didn't catch last week's episode with Mark Rosetto, the feedback has been fantastic to say the very least. So many great comments, emails and messages about what Mark had to share. If you're not familiar with Mark, you obviously don't spend much time online because he is one of Australia's best known and most helpful photography business coaches and he shared an absolute ton in last week's episode. So please make sure you get back and have a listen to that one. In fact, I'm going to be sharing a snippet of what he shared in last week's episode in just a minute because... I feel like he really hit the nail on the head with what I want to say about what I'm seeing as a alarming or scary. I don't want to say trend because I don't think it's a trend, but it's it's something that I am seeing more and more. And this may not be applicable to you, (laughs) but what I am seeing, particularly with the last couple of courses that I've delivered after partnering with both John Glazer and Ali Stewart-Ross is this idea that, wow, this looks like hard work. Uh, Is there an easier way to do this? This was a comment and subsequent comments that I've read and had, you know, by email in the chat area following both courses. And it's, it's pretty scary. Now I'm going to take Ali's course because that was the most recent one that I presented last week. And you may or may not have been on that live call with Ali and If you were, you'll know that she shared her exact strategy for bringing in nearly all her clients, all her newborn photography clients, that's her business focus, via Facebook competitions. And when she went through her process, one of the key areas was the amount of interaction that she had via Facebook Messenger with each of her leads to help qualify them and basically bring them under her wing to nurture them and to connect with them and show that she is the perfect photographer for them. Now, when Ali was going through this part of the training, it was clear to see that this was a lot of work. And this was the feedback that was popping up in the Q&A session afterwards and uh, in a couple of emails that I've exchanged since then. And this was the part that was worrying to me, the fact that that it does take hard work 
to bring in fantastic clients and build a fantastic business. Now, I am all about and 100% for automation and simplifying business, creating more time to, to live a fantastic life. It's why we all have our own businesses. But there's no way we can do that without actually putting in some work. In this case, in regards to the training that Ali presented, yes, there's a good chance you could automate a lot of what she shared. You could use messenger bots. You could take people directly from your Facebook ad, your competition ad, to a questionnaire and qualify the leads that way and allow them to book in sessions and hope to get the kind of sales that Ali's getting with each of her clients. That could work, but it's not the way that Ali's doing it. She would rather pre-qualify her clients to the max, make them feel amazing about Ali and her work. And if you were there on the training, there's no way you could deny the fact that her clients, even the ones that don't book her, would be raving about her and her photography and just how personal an experience that she delivers. It really was next level. So yeah, that takes a lot of work. It's a lot of commitment. She's talking to up to 300 or 400 leads trying to find the best ones to photograph. And that takes work. I would say if that part scares you, but you love the idea of running a competition, then by all means, put a much bigger budget than what Ali's putting into her ads. She's only spending $100 for these ads and getting the kind of rewards that she is. You could spend a lot more. You could put in $400, $500, $1,000 into your ad, generate a ton more leads and end up with the same number of good clients after doing your weeding on the back end. That's just not the way Ali's doing it. So I would never say dismiss someone's approach to their marketing because you think it's too much work or you feel like, oh, that doesn't really fit the way you want to do business. That's fine. Take what you can from what they shared because it's obviously working so well for them and adapt it to suit you. But what I would say is if you adapt it and it doesn't work, then that that part is on you. I would say you'd have to go back and implement exactly what you were taught in the in the training, in the course. Try that for one go and then you've got something to measure against. You've got something to test against. You can do your A-B split testing from there and start to find an easier way to qualify your clients and bring your leads in. And this, this isn't specific to Ali and her training. The same thing was popping up or something similar when John Glazer presented his training. You know, people were saying wow, do I really have to purchase this extra software? Uh, I think we were talking about Zapier at the time. Well, this looks all too tricky. Um, who's going to have these conversations with these clients to help qualify them or these potential clients? Um, do I really need to hire staff to do this? I mean, people, it seems to me, we're looking for, again, an easy way out. And when it comes down to business, to building a successful business, you have to be prepared to do the work. And that's a common theme amongst any of the many incredible photographers that I've interviewed on the podcast that have successful businesses like John Glazer, like El Payne, like Hark Najjar, like Craig Cooper, like Leah Hoffman, like Wendy Norman, who you're going to hear from today. And the list goes on and on and on. All these photographers have that one thing in common. They've done the work. They haven't shirked or looked for the easy way out from the beginning. They've done the work in the beginning and then looked for an easy way to get things done or to modify their processes, whether that's bringing on staff, buying or utilizing other software to automate things, outsourcing, whatever it may be, there are different ways to minimize the work once you've got things set up in your own way. Which brings me to something that Mark said at the very end of our interview. I'm going to share that with you again now. Here's Mark. 
but you need to do the work. That's probably one of the key things. You just got to do the work. The people that do the work will get the results. People that are kind of waiting for clients to fall on their lap, they're going to wait for a very long time. So the state of the industry, look, there's a lot of photographers doing it extremely well, but there's a lot of photographers struggling. And there's many reasons for that. But one of it is it's just the good photographers who are doing well sustainable, they're doing the work, they're doing the marketing streams, they've got a great service, they've got a great product. It's not too high, it's not too low, it's enough work and enough service to see the value for the client. Mark says it there, and I, again, I 100% am in agreement with him. You have to be prepared to do the work if you want to have a successful business. I'd love to hear your thoughts on this. Look, it's rare for me to to get on my soapbox, but it, it was something that was scaring me to read and to hear. And I think in today's day and age, we're so used to hearing about outsourcing and automation and simplifying things that there's a risk that we aren't prepared to put in the time and effort to get the success that we want to get. And I know that this can be difficult to hear. And I know you're probably thinking, he's not talking to me because I I put in the work, you know, I I do the hard yards. And I know we all do. We all think that we do put in the hard yards. But I, for one, I know that I'm guilty of putting in work on, say, my website instead of, you know, making calls and qualifying clients. I I do the things that I like to do rather than the things that are going to get me the results. I, I have been guilty of that in the past too. We all have, I'm sure. But I know from experience that when I was running my wanted ads for engaged couples, if I got on the phone and I had a conversation with those clients, those couples, particularly those brides-to-be, and built a connection and spent 15, 20, 30 minutes on the phone with them, even before they've booked a session, I'm actually trying to give away a free engagement session. They were the couples that went on and booked me, not only for the free session where I got to make sales from the, from the images that I created at those sessions, but they went on to book me for their weddings as well. Not only that, some of those engaged couples cancelled the photographer that they had booked for their wedding to book me instead because of the, the relationship that I built with them on that call and during that free engagement session. Building these connections early on in the relationship 100% works, but it does take time, does take effort, does take work, does take getting out of your comfort zone. And the same things happen in in the portrait photography side of the business every day as well. It takes work. It takes time. We have to create the clients that we want to have, but they're, they're not just going to be falling at our feet. No matter how good your automation is, you're going to have to put in some work at some point. Now, it could be at the sales end of your process, and it might be at the qualifying end of your process, but the work has to be put in at some stage. You have to create the clients that you want. Anyway, I would love to know or get your thoughts on what I've just said. Am I way off base? Am I talking to you? Am I definitely not talking to you? Let me know. Give me your thoughts. Share your feedback with me. You can send me an email. It's andrew at photobizax.com or we can talk inside the members Facebook group if you're a premium member. I really would love to hear your thoughts on this topic of doing the work of Ali's approach if you were there on that training, on John's approach and I'm sure Mark We'll be happy to jump in as well, as will Wendy, who I want to get to now. You're listening to the number one photography business podcast with Andrew Helmich, photobizx.com. 
Oh, just quickly, if you are hearing this announcement, it does mean you are listening to the free version of the podcast. Now, what that means is you won't hear the full interview today with Wendy. I am saving a portion of the second half of premium members only. It's when we dive into the nitty gritty of Instagram reels and exactly what Wendy is doing to get the eyes of her prospective clients on those reels. So if you love what she shares in the first half of this interview, and I know you will, and you'd like to hear the full interview, you can do that for as little as $1 with a 30-day trial membership. And there are more details on that at photobizx.com forward slash try. Welcome to another great eye for business. It's time for Andrew's special guest. Have you ever looked at a photographer's work and not only thought, wow, this photography is so good, but you've also thought, where are all these photos taken? Because I want to live there. Today's guest will do that to you. Her photography features beautiful parklands, beaches, incredible architecture, soft and lovely light, sailing boats, and so many gorgeous people. On top of all that, she has an incredibly successful business with a focus on elopement packages where couples spend $4,000 on average, plus smaller sessions with families and engaged couples. She's been photographing for 13 years in business and on her website she says, I've created a luxury experience that focuses on helping my clients feel joy and ease in front of the camera. I'm talking about Wendy Norman of Apartment B Photography and I'm wrapped to have her with me now. Wendy, welcome. Hi, it's great to be here. <laughs> Look, first of all, I want to get to where you live, but tell me about the name of the business because I wasn't sure if this was appointment B photography or <laughs> apt B photography. <laughs> yeah, for, for anyone listening, I spell it A-P-T period B photography, which is apartment B photography. So when I very first moved to Savannah, not over nine years ago, I was living in this cute little studio apartment in an old Victorian house. And I was just so charmed by the whole experience. I grew up in Florida. So moving to Savannah was a little bit of a change. And I was trying to rebrand my business. And it just felt like that little cozy apartment kind of embodied what I wanted my couples to feel when they worked with me. So I named it Apartment B and then have had it pronounced so many different ways over the years. What have you heard? <laughs> I've heard apt B. I've heard most of the time people just stare at it and say, I'm not sure what this is. <laughs> sometimes they get it because that is the abbreviation here in America for apartment. So sometimes people get it right off the bat. But I found out a DJ friend of mine that I've worked with for years didn't know how to pronounce it until last year. <laughs> he would just not say it. That's so good. Well, I thought it was appointment B. I thought oh, maybe she's like the second choice photographer in town. I didn't know what it was. <laughs> oh, goodness. That's so good. That's so So when I talked about Savannah, Georgia, which is where you live, I mean, are you surprised at my reaction to, you know, to the rivers, the ocean, the yachts, all those things? No, I'm not surprised because that's how I felt before <laughs> I moved here. So I think that's exactly how most people feel when they see pictures or then when they get to visit it for the first time. I mean, I first visited about 12 years ago and fell so in love with it that I moved here. At the time, I was still working full-time in corporate America. So I got a job that brought me to Savannah. But I just, yeah, it's the light, the trees, the oak trees are what really get people. So yeah, I'm not surprised at all to hear you see it like that. <laughs> That's so good. That's so good. Yeah, it really does look amazing. So, And the light that I can see in your photos, it does look incredible. Are you always shooting at the same time of day? Or is the light really just, is it that different? Is it amazing there? 
It's both. So I try to shoot in golden hour as much as possible, but obviously on a wedding day, sometimes you are at the mercy of a timeline that you didn't get to create. And so we really just get beautiful light. It kind of filters through the trees on sunny days and we're just really lucky here, I think. That's so good. So is it only you in the business? Yes, technically. So I own the business, but I have a virtual assistant who actually lives in Vermont and used to live here in Savannah. And so she does all the administrative type stuff for me. Um, That's a new addition in the last like year and a half. Right. So when you say administrative stuff, is that answering emails, answering client inquiries, or is it, you know, is it more or less than that? It's even more than that. Yeah. So she does, she handles all inquiries and it's funny we're talking about this because she just went on maternity leave. So now I'm back to doing all of those things for the next month. And so I'm very aware of everything she's doing now. Um, She answers questions that my clients have. We tag team email in that way. She replies to all the inquiries. We can get more into all the vendors that are part of the package, but she's communicating with them on all of our bookings, placing orders with like the florist and the baker, things like that. So she's handling all of that. She does website updates for me. She posts on social media. She's a jack of all trades and I am very, very lucky to have her. Wow. What do you mean by tag teaming on emails? Does she copy you in and do you copy her? when you're talking with clients? Yeah, exactly. So we try to keep each other copied. That way, when a couple of books with me, I let them know that I'm their main point of contact all the way through, but that Kelsey, my assistant, is in my emails as well. And then that way we can get back to them even quicker. If she knows the answer to something, she can just hop in there and answer it for them. And then if she doesn't know the answer or needs to defer to me, she just makes sure that I'm flagged for the email. Got it, got it. And do you ever get a feeling that the clients are thinking, you know, why aren't we dealing with Wendy? Like, why is Kelsey getting involved? Actually, I think they like it a lot. It's rare that they're only talking to Kelsey. So they're always talking to me first, essentially. So she's replying to inquiries, you know, in my name at the very beginning. But then once they're actually formally part of, you know, the package they've booked with us, then I'm saying, this is my assistant, Kelsey, you know, she's going to be really helping make this experience easy for you, but you still also have full access to me. So I think they actually feel like they get kind of like, they get me and they get the bonus person as well, rather than feeling like a a replacement of me. Nice. So am I right in understanding that you just said that Kelsey will sign off as Wendy Norman in the beginning until they become a client? So they think they're actually talking to Wendy, to you. Just in that very first email, just in like the, the response. Exactly. So we've got like templated canned responses based on what their inquiry says. And so all of those are signed with my name. So she's sending them through Dubsado, which is our client management system. So yeah, so she's just triggering canned emails to go out for me that I'm copied on and I'm replying to, but yes, they have my name on them at first. I love it. Yeah. I'm not saying in a negative view, I think that's really cool. (laughs) I I always feel a little bad about that. I can tell. (laughs) (laughs) I feel like I'm tricking them at first, but it's just the most efficient way to get the initial email out. (laughs) I like it. I think it's a smart way to do business. And especially you've written the emails in the first place. You just sort of, you know, adding the little bits that need to be to personalize them. Exactly. Tell me why you brought Kelsey on board. Yeah. So I had another assistant before her. So I've had two now. And I think I started that the end of 2020, early 2021, all these years blur together a little bit at this point. But 
I got to the point when I launched this elopement package and I was also still shooting big weddings where it felt like I was running two full businesses and I was at the point where I just couldn't do it all anymore. And I realized that there was so many pieces of the business that I could train someone to do that didn't require my expertise in like backend, you know, client management, client systems and things like that, that I could just have somebody else do that so that I could stay kind of in my zone of genius where I'm interacting directly with the clients. I'm out shooting. I'm doing like the higher level planning for the elopements. So yeah, I just, I couldn't do it all anymore. So I had to hire someone or book less. <laughs> that was the options. <laughs> for sure. Okay. So and now that we're going to get into this, but I know that you've simplified your business now. Kelsey's still a big part of it. Does that mean you have more free time now or you take up more of that spare time to shoot more and work more? I have a lot more free time than I did. And that was also part of wanting to bring someone on is when I, I mean, I know you have so many photographers listening that we're kind of jack of all trades. We're wearing a million hats. We're trying to be all the departments of our business. And I had done that for so many years and I was at the point particularly at the end of, um, I had already brought Kelsey on, but we started giving even more responsibilities and stuff at the end of last year. I just realized I wanted to focus more on my health, my personal life, my having a balance and not getting to the point where I was so burned out after a wedding season that it would take me months to recover from that. And so Kelsey's been a huge key part of letting me have more free time to maintain my sanity (laughs) and health. (laughs) So how did you find Kelsey and the previous assistant? Like what's a, a good way for the listener if they want to bring someone on to find someone? Yeah. So the very first girl that I hired was actually a client of mine. So I'd been doing her family photos for years and she was wanting to do something on the side. And at the beginning, we thought it was going to be a job small enough that someone could do it kind of after hours if they had a full-time job. And it grew and the package took off and it was clear very quickly that it was a bigger workload than she could actually do. So when I went to So I had lucked out with her that that was just someone I knew who was looking for work. But then when I went to actually hire someone a little more formally, I posted on Instagram a job description that I made, you know, in Google Docs um, or Google Forms, I guess. And I put that out there. I asked for applications, you know, had them answer a few questions, narrowed it down to, I think I did five or six Zoom interviews and then ended up hiring Kelsey. Wow. So Instagram was the advertising platform. Oh yeah. Instagram is like the key to everything for me. (laughs) So I just, I put it on stories and with a link to, you know, go and apply. And I got over 30 applications for the position. So it was, um, it was great. Yeah. So good. Can you give me an idea of what one of the good questions that you asked that you thought really like separated Kelsey from everyone else? Was there a question that you had in that application that was the sort of question? (laughs) I have to remember what I asked them. Um, I think part of what I wanted to get a feeling for is were they excited about this industry and this job? You know, how do they feel about elopements? How do they feel about the wedding industry? Is this, you know, are you going to feel passionate about this or are you going to just be kind of like checking a box and, you know, making money? And so that did help me kind of separate out if people didn't sound very enthusiastic about the industry. You know, it's, you know, the wedding industry is its own very unique thing. So you kind of have to want to be in it. Absolutely. So that was what I was asking about. Cool, cool. And you alluded to, and so did I, the fact that you've sort of, you know, I guess pivoted with your business. You were focusing on big weddings. Why the change? Why the move to elopements? 
Yeah, it was a couple different things. So in like 2019, early 2020, I was definitely hitting a burnout phase of shooting big weddings. I mean, I've been doing it for, I've been shooting for 13 years and I started shooting weddings probably a year or two into that. And I was just getting to the point where it was, uh, there were a lot of reasons I was burned out. I feel like our wedding industry is sometimes pushes an unrealistic expectation on brides and, you know, they get convinced that they need to have this Pinterest perfect wedding and, I was, you know, getting to the wedding day and saying, are you excited? How's your day going? And so often I was hearing brides say, you know, I'm just so tired. This has been an exhausting process. I'm ready for this to be over. And I was just kind of getting to the point where that was sort of breaking my heart and I was just physically tired and it was a lot of things, but it was still my job and I still loved my job. So I was still doing it and didn't have a solution at the time. But then when COVID hit, it hit right before spring wedding season for us. So watched an entire spring of weddings get postponed, you know, up to we had some even up to two years postponed. So it was kind of crazy. All of a sudden had two months with nothing to do and nowhere to go. And I'd had this idea for an elopement package in the back of my head. I'd always loved when I occasionally got an elopement here and there in between the big ones. And when I had this gift of time and also had the unique situation that we were all handed, that we had to figure out what to do with our businesses... Um, the best advice that I got that really like pushed me in this direction was it was my bookkeeper of all people. I was talking to him about finances and what was going to happen with all these postponed weddings. And he said, everybody's industry is about to change. This was probably March, April of 2020. He's like, everyone's industry is going to change. And you just have to pay attention to what's happening in your industry. And if you can get a feel for what that shift is, like what is going to change and then get ahead of it, you're going to be just fine. So he's like, I don't know with weddings, like, is it blogs? Is it forums? Like whatever it is, like dive in and figure it out and you're going to be fine. And I took that to heart and I said, well, people still want to get married. That never changed. Like we always will have people that want to get married. It just had to look different for a little while. And we didn't know how long a little while was going to be at that point. And so all I knew was the weddings are still going to happen. They're just going to look different. They're going to be smaller and outside and you know all of these things that we were dealing with at the time. And so since I'd already had this idea of an elopement package in the back of my head, and I wasn't the first one to come up with the elopement package idea, even in Savannah, we already had a couple of them, but they were structured a little more as like a quickie budget kind of option with you didn't really know which vendors were going to be there. It was kind of like a, we'll have a photographer, we'll have a bouquet, but we're not, you know, it's just like a staff person. And so I saw this kind of like missing niche of people who still want a really beautiful experience. They still want something that's on trend and, you know, slightly customizable, but they don't want to break the bank. You know, they don't want the crazy luxury experience. They don't want the budget experience. So I would joke that, um, I, I think this will make sense in Australia too, but it's the target of elopement packages. So it's not the Walmart and it's not the Nordstrom. It's the target. <laughs> it makes total sense. Yeah. So that's why. So I decided to create that elopement package. So it has five vendors in it. It's got my photography business and we have cake, flowers, hair and makeup and officiant. So I put that together and it's just like a little boutique elopement ceremony experience. Unbelievable. So good. All right. Just let me ask you a couple of questions. So we've got an idea of how you got to where you are and how it's all going. The weddings that you were photographing before the big weddings, 
Were they chapel or church weddings? Because you said, you know, the elopements are outdoors, which I understand. A lot of our weddings in Australia now are happening outdoors, like even prior to COVID. Yeah. So were yours mainly chapel sort of based weddings? So it was both. We get a total mix here in Savannah. So our squares, the trees, the light, everything you've seen that, you know, really struck you. That's what a lot of people are coming here for. So often we have ceremonies in our squares or parks, but we also have a cathedral that's well known here. We have a lot of smaller, you know, Southern looking churches. And so it was really bride specific. I would say that was probably like 50, 50 for us indoor or outdoor. Got it. And then, you know, I guess the, some people are listening are thinking, well, the way Andrew's talked about where you live, Savannah and Georgia, it sounds like a destination type place for brides to go. Are you attracting destination type elopements or is it locals getting eloped? Yeah, it's almost entirely destination. So we get a handful of locals, but it's almost entirely, I would say like 85, 90% destination. Right. So from right across the States? All across the States. I've had a couple that told me they had an elopement planned for Vegas and then they found our package and they canceled the Vegas elopement and booked a trip to Savannah and came here instead. Wow. Yeah. Okay. So people are getting captivated like I was with your images. Yep. I love it. Absolutely. Okay. And then give us an idea of the numbers. So what was your revenue before you changed to elopements and what is it looking like now? Yeah. So it's really interesting because I'm still in that kind of beginning of it. So in 2019, I was only shooting big weddings and then, you know, family sessions and engagement sessions and things like that. 2020 and 2021 were a combination of both. It was big weddings and elopements. So I saw my revenue skyrocket in 2021 because I was essentially running two full-time businesses. So that was fun, but also, you know, a little, little more than I want to do. So I would say... Now, this is my first full year. 2022 is my first full year of just doing elopements. I haven't had a single big wedding, full day wedding since New Year's Eve of last year. So I'm like, it's a fun experiment because I'm like, well, what would this look like now that I've like gotten rid of all of these big weddings? So I would say I am making more than I was making with the big weddings, but physically shooting less hours still, which is a really interesting, um, almost like, you wouldn't expect that. But that's part of why I decided to make that transition. Because last year when I was looking at it, I was going, well, I'm still shooting the big ones and I'm still shooting the small ones. Which one do I want to focus on? What do I want to do here? And I did the math and I I just used round numbers. I was like, okay, say I want to make $100,000 from big weddings. How many of those do I have to shoot at my price point? And then I said, if, you know, same with elopements. And so it was more than double, I think, if I remember the numbers, more than double the number of bookings. But when I totaled up the shooting hours, it was significantly less physical shooting hours, even though I was having to get a lot more actual bookings. Awesome. Awesome. To make that same revenue. Makes sense. Okay, great. So in 2022, how's the revenue looking? Are you going to hit that $100,000 goal? Yes, we've already surpassed the 100,000, so it's looking good. Oh, wow. And you've still got a couple of months left. Yes, yes. Okay, so what, are you going to hit 150? I would love to hit 150. I think we'll see. The other tricky new change with this is that we only book six months out. So, you know, in traditional big wedding world, we're typically booking a year out, year and a half, sometimes two years. So we only book six months out and often we're booking one, two, three months out. So like today, I just got an inquiry for one 
for October 28th, three weeks from now. So wow. Yeah. And so that could be another, um, like our base package starts at 3,700. Typically people are adding some onto that. So, you know, our average package is, is four grand and up. So, you know, we, we might have another four grand coming in in three weeks. And so it's making me, you know, predicting what's going to happen a little tricky and I'm still, still getting a feel for that. So yeah, but I would love to hit 150. If I could do that with only elopements, that would be really, really exciting. Um, okay, so it's going to be somewhere between 130 and 150. Yeah, exactly. Which is amazing. Are you still, are you still photographing the families and the engagement sessions? Yes, I am. So I just kind of fill those in between my schedules. So in Savannah, we're very seasonal with weddings. So spring and fall are our really peak seasons. Summer is very, very hot. So we'll still get some, but it's a lot slower in like June, July, August time. So, but that's when we get families coming or couples coming on vacation. And so we'll get a lot of engagement sessions, family sessions on the beach, things like that. So I just sort of plug those in. And if I have extra time, I take on the smaller shoots. If I have a really heavy elopement month, I just don't take on as many of those. Got it. Okay. And so do those family engagement shoots, do they fit into that $140,000 revenue? They do. Yes. So that's part of it. Yep. Okay. So that's a total part. Okay. Got it. Yep. And so, and you talked about, you know, having these packages with these other vendors, are they taking a cut out of that 140 or is that for the photography? Yes. So that is the whole package altogether. So what I personally get to keep from that is the coordinating fees and the photography. One change that we're making though, is we're adding on other photographers. So it's not only my company anymore. So now when I'm booking them for those, I'm making the coordinating fee, but not the photography. So that's kind of a a change that's starting to happen. But yes, so every time we book, whichever vendors they're choosing out of those five vendors, because it's customizable and they can, you know, leave the cake off if they want to, things like that. We pay all the vendors out of that $4,000. Got it. Okay. So are you taking home, I guess what I'm asking, do you have a, a good successful bit? Like, are you able to survive on your photography? You're doing well. Yes. Yes. I feel <laughs> great about where it's at. Yes. Awesome. Um, okay. So yeah, we're taking home... When I'm shooting an elopement, I think I, I told him before the call, I said, I'm terrible with numbers. So I know I think, you did. You did tell me that. I know. I know. It's okay. It's okay. So I think I take home about 2,700 per elopement and that's with an hour and a half of photography and just the kind of online coordinating and stuff. Okay. So this is why you're able to take on so many extra mm-hmm. sessions now because they're only, these are quite mm-hmm. short. These are very short. They really are. Yeah. Our base package is an hour and a half. So we have people add on. Typically, um, I would say our average booking is probably about two hours. So if people bring guests, we have them add on a little time for family photos. But if it's just the couple eloping and they don't have any guests at all, they usually stick to the hour and a half and they just do the ceremony and then couples portraits around downtown and and then they're good to go. So it just depends. But then we have some who want to add on getting ready photos and they are bringing 20 family members with them and they want us to do a first dance at their dinner or something like that. So uh, sometimes we'll have people add on, you know, go up to four or five hours of coverage. So it just depends. Got it. So with a small elopement, let's say it's like the one you described where it's just a couple, you know, they elope, they get married, and then you go and do some photos in downtown. Mm-hmm. Do they just go out to dinner then? Or are they going to see family after? Like what, how does it they play out? 
Yeah, it totally depends on the couple. So a lot of people are booking, especially when it's only the two of them, they're almost making it their honeymoon combination with their elopement because they're coming from out of town. So they're already on a trip. So a lot of times they'll get in the first day, they'll pick up their marriage license, get checked into their hotel. Second day, they'll do their elopement and then they'll stay, you know, either a long weekend or up to maybe a week and they'll do a vacation here in Savannah. So when it's just the two of them, a lot of times that night, they're just going out to dinner, you know, the two of them. I even had couples say, we were just tired. We got takeout. We ate our cake in our <laughs> hotel room, you know, and they're like, we've got a whole week here. It's fine. We'll just celebrate all week. And so it just totally depends. And then if they have, you know, their immediate family or a handful of friends with them, a lot of times they'll book a little dinner at one of our restaurants or at one of the hotels or something like that and do kind of a just like an intimate wedding reception without all the all the events that come with a big wedding, but just more of like a sit down dinner kind of thing. So good. I love the sound of these weddings. So tell me, so you had this idea, Wendy, when COVID hits, did you have to refund all the booking fees that you'd taken from the couple? Did you still want to honor those weddings or you wanted to just sweep them away and say, okay, be done with the big weddings? Yeah. So I actually got really lucky at the time when we were making the decision about postponing all of those, the elopement package didn't exist yet. So that was kind of like postponements first and then all the time to figure out the elopement package. So at the time that was still all of my revenue. Like I needed that revenue that I definitely wanted all of those weddings still. So I got really lucky that none of my couples canceled their wedding because of the pandemic. So that was not the case with everybody. Of course, there were some that just canceled, but all of mine just got spread out over the next like year and a half, two years. So eventually all the revenue came in. It just came in a little later, but I still had all of the deposits already, but those had been paid, you know, usually like a year prior to that. So got it. Okay. And that's why you had such a busy 2020, 2021. You were doing everything. Yes. I was doing, I was still booking big weddings at the time because I didn't actually decide to only do elopements until gosh, sometime in 2021 was when I finally like pulled the trigger and said, I'm not booking anymore of <laughs> big ones. And so, yeah, I was still actively trying to book both all the way through 2021. Wow. Okay. So you get this idea for these elopement packages, which I think is amazing. And what made you think that you had to put together a package with other vendors? Why not just offer elopement photography? Yeah. So it was a couple of different things. It was partly looking at what I felt like the need in the market was like, what did a bride need? They didn't just need a photographer. Actually, a lot of our very first brides for the elopement package, they were postponing their wedding, their big wedding for you know a year, but they still wanted to go ahead and get married at the time that they originally wanted to get married. So they're almost having to plan a second wedding, but an elopement for their first one. And so I was looking at it as what does the market need? What are our clients saying they need? And they're like, we already planned a big wedding. We don't want to replan this whole thing. Like, how do we do this really easily? You know? And so I was like, well, we can fill that need for them. We handle all these five vendors, which is really the only vendors you, you have to have for a really intimate little ceremony in the park, you know? And and so that was part of it. And then, yeah, I mean, honestly, that was like the main thing was like, what do the brides need? But the other part of it from like the business and like numbers perspective is when I had shot elopements in the past, just the photography, not planning it for them. I was still doing a lot of planning, I found, because 
it was still couples coming from out of town. They would have a lot of questions. And I'm not going to just be like, no, I'm not answering your questions about Savannah just because I'm, you know, not your planner because they didn't have any planner. So I felt like I was, I was doing the timeline for them. I was giving recommendations of places to eat. I was sending them my vendor recommendation list. And I was like, <laughs> how do I get paid for what I'm already doing? <laughs> yes. by, you know, so I was like, well, Technically, it's more a little more work to actually do the bookings, but we've got it so streamlined. It's forms they fill out. It's canned emails we send to our vendors. So, you know, it just, I was finding a way to get paid for stuff that I was already doing, essentially. It's so good. <laughs> I love it. It's so entrepreneurial. This is so good. Yeah. So tell me, I mean, you listed five different vendors, I think it was. Let's say with a florist, for example. Mm-hmm. I'm guessing you probably have three or four florists that you work with regularly that you love to recommend. Did you have to pick one to set up your package with? I probably didn't have to, but there was strategy behind why I wanted to pick one. And it was because I felt like all these other packages I'd seen, you weren't ever sure whose work you were getting. And so I wanted to say, this is who you will always have. Like if you're booking with us, you can go to our florist website and you know what kind of work you're going to get. And from a promotional perspective with social media, it was almost like partnering with these people that they are then going to also promote it because it's good for them. They're not... The way we structured it financially, none of our vendors are taking a cut to be part of this package. It was really important to me that I'm not skimming off the top of what they're making. If they book through our package, they're making exactly what they would make if they booked it on their own. So it's really just a benefit for them because we do some of the work for them, but then they promote it. They promote the elopement package and they're sharing our work. And so it was kind of win-win to make sure it was like these five vendors that we could always say we're working on an elopement. Got it. Okay. So let's say the florists, I don't know, do they take $500 for example? Yeah. Well, it's a little less. So our bouquets start at, I think, 250 for a small and then they can upgrade from there. Okay, so let's say it's then 250 for the florist and the florist also has this package on their website, I imagine. Mm-hmm. And then do they then send the client, the potential client to you or do they sell the package and you still become the planner or do you take control right from the beginning? Yeah, if it's going to be the package, they send them straight to us. So the florist is still, they're still a big wedding florist and then they do random elopements that aren't through us. But if they have someone inquire and they're like, hey, I saw the Savannah elopement package, they'll email me and copy them and just say, here's Wendy. Like, Wendy's the one that runs this. So, yeah, if they're doing the package, they go through us. Okay, what a lovely partnership. Wendy, you've said we and us a lot. Are you talking about you and your dog or you and Kelsey or (laughs) (laughs) is there someone else? I'm talking about we as in, well, me, Kelsey, and then our five vendors. So I think I think of us all as a team. Right. Okay. Got it. Okay. And my dog and my cat, they probably count too. <laughs> okay. Got it. Got it. I just wanted to make sure there wasn't someone else hiding in the background doing all this no, work. No, That's no, you. just us. But it is such a team effort at this point. You know, like even though I'm the one talking to the client all the way through, Without all those other vendors, this doesn't exist, you know? So it really does feel like we do the elopement package. Right. So let's say I book an elopement package with you. I'm coming with Linda, my wife, to elope Mm -hmm. in Georgia with one of your packages. When Linda's choosing the bouquet, does she then talk to the florist or does she talk to you and you help her pick? Yeah, they go through us for everything. And that's part of our pitch to our couples is we're going to take all those emails that you're usually having to send 
to narrow down which vendor you're going to use, to get quotes, to talk about design. Like it's hundreds of emails that brides are sending. And we say, we're taking all of that off your plate. You don't have to send any of those emails. We've got the vendors figured out for you. So those are already chosen. Once we've determined the date, the time, all of that stuff, we're taking care of booking everybody. It's one contract through us. It's one point of payment through us. So they're not having to keep track of all that different stuff. And then as far as like the bouquet in particular, we have what we call our design details form that we send them. And so we have color palettes that they can pick from. It's like a semi-custom kind of bouquet situation. So they can't pick exact flowers. It's based priced on seasonal and local availability. So we're not custom ordering like peonies in the off season, things like that. So we say, think in terms of a color palette. We have six of them for you to choose from. If you want a custom color palette, you can upload it. And that's what they do. And then they pick from, I think it's five bouquet styles. So we have like classic round, boho asymmetrical, organic whimsical um, with example photos of each. And we have ribbon options, you know, if they want to stick to classic satin wrap or add on flowing ribbons. And so they're literally just taking forms, going through, making all their selections, submitting it to us, meaning me and Kelsey. <laughs> and uh, and then, yeah, I'll try to clarify who I'm talking about. So they submit it. Kelsey and I receive that form. And then we place final orders with the vendors for them. And we set up delivery times. We do basically take everything off the bride's plate. We just have her pick the pretty things. And then we handle all the logistics behind the scenes. Wow. Okay, so I mean, it sounds silly, but this is a proper business. Like you're the wedding planner and the photographer. You're looking after everything for these couples. No wonder they love you and they're booking you like crazy. <laughs> this is so good. And I imagine it's the same relationship with the other vendors, whether it's makeup, makeup artists, or or the um, celebrant or whoever. Exactly. Yep. Got it. Just quickly with the locations for the sessions for the actual elopements, like here in Australia, we would have to get council permission or pay a fee for using a national park. Do you look after all that as well? Yeah, yes and no. So we guide them in that. So the way our parks work, you don't have to rent the squares or parks or get the permits unless you're putting rentals down like chairs or arches, things like that. So most of our couples opt to have their guests stand because it is a more informal kind of intimate ceremony anyway. So most of the time, I would say 75 to 80% of the time, guests are standing. Nobody's getting any permits. We're allowed to do that. It's, you know, permitted by the city to do it like that. Occasionally we'll have people say, we're going to have 25 people. We would really like them to be sitting. We're going to rent chairs. But we don't handle anything outside of our five vendors. So I give recommendations. I give a lot of guidance. Like I point them in the right direction. I send them the link to rent the square through the city, things like that. But if they're doing other vendors, like for rentals or dinner afterwards, they're booking all of that separately. Got it. Got it. And just quickly back to the vendors, like I mentioned earlier that you probably had three or four or five florists and and different celebrants that you love to work with when you were doing the big weddings. You had to pick one of each to do this new business. Did you have any pushback or ill feeling from other vendors that you didn't include? I'm sure that I did. And I think they probably were just polite enough to not say it to me. (laughs) Um, But the way I went about picking the vendors was I picked vendors that I'd worked with for years in the big wedding industry space. So I could confidently trust their work because I'd seen so many examples of it. And I picked vendors that had big teams so that we could accommodate more than one elopement in a day. So I didn't want people, you know, running out of availability. 
And so that narrowed it down a little bit, like for hair and makeup artists in particular, so many hair and makeup artists are one or two person teams. And I purposefully, even though I had some that I think their work is so wonderful, I was like, they book one wedding and they're gone for the day. And I, we can't then book them. Whereas the team we work with has, I think, 10 artists at this point. So they have a lot more availability to handle, you know, elopements like this. So so that was really like the strategy. And and then same with like the baker. We have some really talented bakers that are single people in a small kitchen. And, you know, if they've already got a couple weddings that they would be booked up. So we picked a baker that was, you know, has a brick and mortar space and does high volume wedding cakes. So yeah, and we're just troubleshooting as we go. I mean, obviously, an officiant is only one person. So we did start running into him being booked up. So now he has taken on two associates under him. So now we still can say, well, we're working with Reverend Joe, but he's got a couple people that work under him. He'll still do the scripting for your ceremony. He'll still be the one you're talking to. But, you know, Reverend Danny is going to actually be there on your day. So, and same with photography. There's only one of me and I don't want to shoot back-to-back elopements because I don't want to risk, you know, if something's running late, running late for something else. So now we have two other photographers that are, you know, we also book. So typically, unless we have like a very early morning and a very late afternoon one, we're usually shooting one each, but we've got three of us. So we could do up to three in a day. I love it. Okay. So with Reverend Danny, like, was it your business that sort of pushed him to bring on associates? It is entirely our business that had him bring on associates. Wow. Yeah. That's so good. He must be loving that too. And then with you, Did you find two other local photographers that you know and trust or did you train two other photographers? Yeah, it's two other local photographers that I know and trust. So one of them had been my second shooter for a while at some of the bigger weddings and um, was assisting me on things, but also had her own business. And so for a little while, we had just added a couple girl, her and another girl on as like associates under apartment B. And so I was still handling editing all of that. So it was all, you know, apartment B still, but with the girls on my team. And now we're at the point where me having to handle that editing is a little more than I want on my plate. I'd rather only just edit my own. So now she's going to be her own, you know, person. And we've hired another guy who's got his own business. And he's got a little different style than me and the other girl do. And so that's also a good way to give brides more options because not everybody wants light and airy. Some people might want, you know, a little bit warmer, a little moodier. So now we've got more options for brides too. Okay. And does that scare you then that you're sort of, you know, outsourcing the skills that you have now as a photographer and you're going to lose that little cut? It, yes, <laughs> to be totally honest, yes. Good. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, it does because that was a way that I was making a lot more. So, say, you know, we start at 3700 For every 30 minutes of photography, a couple adds on, it's $250. So, when I shoot it, if they add on three hours of photography, I'm making $1,500 more immediately off that booking. But now I'm not making that 1500 The photographer is. So I think it scares me, but I think that's a little bit of an irrational fear. I think we will just be able to book more. If I'm not physically at as many, you know, that was limiting us some months where I was like, I can only physically do so many in a month. And so now I can spend my time 
doing other things, growing the business. I've got a lot of ideas on how to do some passive income around this space. And, you know, and I actually, we haven't even talked about, I opened a second branch of this in St. Pete, Florida. So I have two elopement packages. I talk mostly about the Savannah one because the St. Pete one's really new, but we have the exact same model down in St. Pete. And so if I can be physically at fewer elopements as the photographer, that frees up my time to expand the business more behind the scenes. God, as you were telling me this, even before I knew about St. Pete's, I was going to say to you, do you you see yourself, you must, because I do, as, you know, moving yourself out of photography and becoming the elopement specialist, you know, in your area or areas? Yes, hopefully. The really big thing that I've realized lately is that I love this job so much more than I loved being like a full day wedding photographer. And don't get me wrong. I loved my couples. Like I had really great couples, but I didn't feel like I was helping. I was just providing a service that was great. And I'm glad I could be there and take good photos and all of that. But I am finding that my elopement couples, I am helping them. I am providing this service for them where they are going you made our wedding day so easy. We could be present for our day. We enjoyed it. We were not stressed. All our friends are jealous. They wish they hadn't done their big weddings and that they had eloped in Savannah or St. Pete. And so I feel like I've realized who my real target audience is. And it's brides that don't want to be taken over by the wedding industry monster that is out there and can easily, you know, consume you when you're wedding planning. And so I want to find more ways to help more brides because there's obviously only so many physical elopements that, you know, my teams can do in both places. So I've been really pondering lately on... how do I reach more brides? How do I reach more elopement couples, even if they aren't necessarily coming in eloping in Savannah or St. Pete? Like, how can I still be a resource for them? So I've got a lot of things bubbling in the background for that. I can imagine. I can imagine. I want to ask you about St. Pete. I'm going to leave that for a minute because I know the, the listener is screaming at me to ask you about how do you get all of these clients? Like, where do you find them? Where, how do you get them to find you? What are you doing for your marketing? Yeah, it is almost entirely Instagram and TikTok, like probably 90%. Yeah, social media all the way. <laughs> okay. And so, okay, out of the two, which one do you feel is more effective, has more legs, is the future? Premium members of PhotoBiz Exposed hear more of the best photography business strategies from every guest. Wendy, look, I can ask you a thousand <laughs> more questions. I might leave one more if you've got a chance, to, if you've got time yeah. to answer it. But first of all, where is the best place for the listener to learn more about you and what you're doing? And do you help other photographers do this if they want to? That's a great question. Um, so the person that connected us, Vincent Puglisi, I know he's been on your podcast a couple of times and he runs the mastermind that I'm in and he's my mentor. And so we've really debated, do I try to teach other photographers this or do I focus more on how do I help more brides? And does that involve teaching other photographers to do this? So I don't at the time have anything great to pitch about how I can teach other photographers, (laughs) but I'm always happy to answer questions if someone, you know, has questions about doing this in their area. But yeah, the main place that you can find me is on Instagram. I'm at apartment B photo. So 
It's a mouthful. A-P-T-B photo. Um, Same on TikTok. And my website is also www.apartmentbphoto.com. And then we have Instagram for both of our Savannah and St. Pete packages. So it's at Savannah Elopement Package and at St. Pete Elopement Package. So you can check them all out. So good. I'm going to add links for the listener in the show notes to all those. You don't have to remember those. You'll be able to click on a button and go to each of those. Um, Two quick things. First of all, how amazing is Vincent? I'm so glad that he connected us. I would never have been aware of your amazing business. Yes, Vincent is wonderful. I know he's very generous with connections and that's his like his expertise there. And so, yeah, I've loved it. I've been in his mastermind like a year and a half now and I love it. Yeah, it's so good. I mean, when I interviewed him, it's, it talks all about connection. I mean, that's the, the way he does business. Mm-hmm. And just like he connected the two of us, it was so yeah. beautifully done. It was easy. And now, yeah, now we have this connection. And I was going to say to you, if you do decide to go down the road of uh, helping other photographers, please let me know so I can share it on the podcast and let listeners know. Because I think this is an incredible business model. Uh, I can see this just going great guns. I can see why you've been, you know, I guess, inspired to open up a second version in St. Pete. So is that near you, St. Pete? So it's about six hours away driving distance. So it's down in Florida, in uh, like Southwest Florida. It narrowly got missed by that hurricane that came through just recently. So yeah, it's just a whole other, it's more of like a beach elopement type of town. So you must have a connection to that town to open another version down there. Sort of. So I grew up in Florida, but I've actually never lived in that specific area. But in 2021, I kind of got the like seven year itch in Savannah and thought I wanted to move away for a second. And so I visited some places and thought about it. And I was like, I think I want to go back to Florida, but live in a different area than I've lived before. So I was fully committed. I was making offers on houses, you know, really thought I was going to move. And I couldn't get any of my offers where they were getting beat. It's such a crazy real estate market. And it felt like I was like banging on a closed door a little bit when I was trying to move there. But in that process, I had already laid the groundwork to start the elopement package there. So when I decided to pull the plug on moving, I was like, but I could still keep the package. I just need to put photographers in it. I was going to do that here. I was going to keep the Savannah one and just put photographers in here. And I just did it the other way around. And I just put, we have five photographers in the package down in St. Pete. And so, um, yeah, I just was like, I just fell in love with the town and thought it would be a great place for a package. Unreal. So in in next year, 12 months time, when I get you back on the show, you can say that you've got six or eight different uh, elopement packages around the country. I hope so. I hope so. Including Hawaii. Yeah. Someone (laughs) tried to talk me into doing one in Scotland the other day and I was like, oh, we're going international. This is a whole other beast. (laughs) But you never know. I would love that. And, And truly, if any photographers are listening and this is interesting to them, part of the reason that I haven't created something for photographers is because... I'm not sure what they need or what they'd want to do. Would they want to run a package? Would they want to, you know, is that something that would work in their area if it's, you know, another destination type place? So I don't know if anybody is listening and they're like, yes, please, I would love to do this in my area. Shoot me a DM on Instagram and I would just love to know what you need. Unreal. Awesome. All right. I'm going to put that call out there and like you have and uh, remind people and Again, Wendy, look, I'm so glad we connected. Thank you so much for coming on, for sharing everything you have. You have been amazing. Congratulations on your success. What a great story. I can't wait to share this with listeners. So thank you. Thank you so much for having me. This was so much fun. 
hope you enjoyed that interview with Wendy as much as I did. Wendy, if you are listening, I'll say it again. You live in the most amazing place. I love what you shared in today's episode. Thank you so much for coming on and delivering everything that you did. And please, please, please let us know if you do go on to help other photographers with the things that you're working on in your business, because I know there are going to be a ton of photographers that want to learn from you. So again, massive thanks, Wendy, for coming on and sharing what you did. For you, the listener, what did you think? Was there something that Wendy shared that you thought, yes, absolutely, I can implement and use that in my business? If so, I'd love to hear about it. I know Wendy would as well. Leave a comment in the comments area of the show notes. This week, they're at photobizx.com forward slash 488. Now, in those show notes, in addition to the comments area at the very bottom of the page, I've got links to anything and everything that Wendy mentioned, including all her social media accounts. I've got examples of her beautiful work. It's all there in that one spot. And of course, I'll be adding Wendy into the members Facebook group as well. So if you are a premium member, you'll have easy access to Wendy there. If you have a follow-up question, maybe you just want to say thanks for coming on and sharing what you did or just how amazing her photography is. You can do all that there inside the members Facebook group. I've got one big shout out for today's episode, and this one goes to Newcastle newborn photographer, Kath Blake of Bite Me Photography in Australia. She left a lovely review or testimonial for Ali's recent Facebook competitions course, and she says, I loved Ali's approach to marketing. I just wanted to thank Andrew and Ali for putting together this course. The live session was very informative, and I loved the way Ali approached this type of marketing. What resonated the most with me was as a woman of a certain age, I really gelled with Ali's whole business ethics and her soft approach, the way she looks at things from a client's perspective and her no hard sell approach. I can't wait to sink my teeth into the nitty gritty of the course information and get my first campaign running. Kath, massive thanks for taking the time to send me that message. I know Ali will be wrapped to hear that one as well and I can't wait to hear about how you go with your promo once you get it up and running. So please let us know how it does go. It sounds like you are not afraid to do the work and you're going to be building some fantastic connections with your prospective clients. So please, again, let us know how you go with that one, Kath. Alrighty, that is going to wrap up this episode of the podcast. Please get in touch with me. Let me know if I was way off the mark with my comments about shirking the work. Big thanks again to Wendy Norman for coming on and sharing everything she did. Thanks to Kath for leaving that review for Ali's course. I hope wherever you are in the world, you have a fantastic week ahead. Stay safe, healthy and well, and I'll talk to you soon. Bye for now. If you have enjoyed this episode, head to photobizx.com. Join the conversation, leave a comment and share your thoughts on the interview with Andrew and today's special guest. 